0: Hello, and welcome to episode 73 of the 21 Handshake Marketing Podcast. If you are new to listening, welcome. Our podcast covers social media news and digital marketing trends for anyone who is involved in business. So whether you are in the B2B or B2C, whether you're on the marketing or the sales team, we go over tips, trends, and we leave you with some actionable items to apply or think about. First off, I'm Sarah, an account manager here at 21 Handshake. I'm Ashley, also an account manager
1: my name is alex i'm a creative manager in charge of photo and video content
0: i love that you're still trying to figure out that good working title alex <laughs> right
1: <laughs> i think that works for you guys you guys have have manager in your title cre- account manager creative manager of like, like it. works together i, I think
0: like i think it's
1: good some unification yeah.
0: definitely love it if you have followed our last few episodes you know we are talking about our new digital marketing process, and we're breaking it down into nine action-filled steps. If you haven't listened to those yet, here's the Cliff Notes version. But just like in college, reading the real book is much better. So go back and listen to those episodes. So just the Cliff Note version here, episode 68, we made the W of our digital marketing solution, a nine-step roadmap that when followed will lead businesses to Market Authority. In that episode, we did a high-level overview of each step, one through nine, and we defined each step briefly. Episode 69, we started a deep dive into each step, the first one being market research. On episode 70, we dove head first into a brand story and why a business needs a brand story and how to discover that story. Episode 71, we talked about the final foundation steps, Which includes the website hub and the key reasons why your business needs an updated website. Episode 72, we discuss the first step of the frame steps, which are the social hub and why your accounts on your social platforms need to be consistent. This episode, we are talking about content. This is the second step of our frame in the nine step process. That's right, it's just not a buzzword. Good content is key to moving your business from voiceless to vocal. But first, we have a very few digital marketing news updates. So Alex, Ashley brought this to our attention that Facebook is making well known on each platform that they own, that platform. <laughs> so why is this important all of the sudden?
1: So they. They have <laughs> undergone scrutiny from um, the American government, basically for uh, antitrust issues. And antitrust is basically, um, or antitrust laws were created in the United States to prevent companies from creating monopolies or operating in a way that prevents um, companies from competing with them. Um, essentially, making business practices unfair and very one-sided. Um, and this is partially coming as a result of also all the the political. Um, issues that have been happening in ter- from the ad platform and all all of that kind of stuff. So, basically, what they're doing is just is is making it very apparent across all their platforms uh, which ones Facebook does own. Um, in this article here from Mobile Marketer, uh, they write actually that I think it was Pew, yeah, uh, Pew Research Center uh, did a study, and then apparently only twenty nine percent of Americans were aware that Facebook owns Instagram and WhatsApp. Which is very surprising to me actually
2: it's surprising to me too, but I think it's only because I work in digital marketing
1: true um, but facebook facebook was or Instagram was acquired by um facebook i don't know like two, three four years ago maybe now, but it was it was it was a billion dollar acquisition, um, and a lot of people think that that was like a steal um, comparatively for what um, Instagram is valued at now, but basically. Um, the the American government is looking into this antitrust issue um, amidst um, continuous mergers and acquisitions in the space, and just making sure that Facebook is not operating with the intent of becoming a monopoly and and, and controlling all of the you know the social information and, and the ad platforms and stuff like that. So
0: yeah, what they are a monopoly, so that is <laughs> yeah.
2: that
1: is true. Um, and, and one. Um. One more fascinating number from this article um, relating to um, the, the politics issues right now in the ads platforms within Facebook. Uh, those issues have not dented Facebook sales growth at all. Um, ad revenue has actually climbed 28% from Q3 last year to $17.4 billion.
2: That is wild. <laughs> uh-huh. That's,
1: that's that is funny money. Anyway. <laughs> that's
0: funny money. Man, that's the money I wish I had a piece of. <laughs> so Ashley, some other news from Facebook as well. Um, what, is, what is this? It has to do with running ads.
2: So Facebook has recently um, announced that they are adjusting the limit on how many Facebook ads a page can run um, mm-hmm. in 2020, which is a little bit alarming. Um, However, it will only impact a few businesses, they're saying. So according to Facebook, running too many ads will lead to an overall uh, like worse ad performance, right? So if you're bombarding the ad market with a bunch of different ads, um, throwing a lot of money in it, you're, you're essentially like, again, I guess monopolizing the ad space is, I, I think their concern, um, so, by limiting businesses from running too many ads, that helps um, give other opportunities to other um, companies who are running ads maybe with a smaller budget. Um, so they have said the change will only impact a small number of brands and it's not likely to be your business. It's, it's probably larger businesses.
1: I would have to imagine it's the types of businesses that are putting millions of dollars a month yeah. into, into Facebook ads. <clears throat> and that makes sense. if. if if you are one of a few businesses in that space and you are outspending by a dramatic margin, everybody else, of course, you know, you're going to be the one that pops up the most often. Like yeah. in the way that PPC, I would imagine, works. Sort yeah, of. very similar. Um, like if you're willing to spend more than everybody else, you're going to win. So maybe they're just trying to even out that playing field a little bit.
2: Yes. Um, so this is just an announcement. They don't really think they'll be ready to roll out until Early to mid 2020, um, they're also saying that marketers will will be able to monitor their Facebook pages um, ad volume via a new API um, that will go into effect mid 2020.
0: Hmm, all well, that is very interesting. So definitely something to keep an eye on. I don't think it will help or hurt Facebook's ad generation or you know revenue just because they are coming out with more and more ways uh, to place your ads in different locations on facebook but definitely something i guess if you are a very big brand and you run millions of dollars in ads something to keep an eye on
1: <laughs> i'm so, just our next- listening oh. to this topic real quick i am curious what the highest spending company is on facebook ad platform i would
2: like to know that as well i have a feeling it's amazon <laughs>
1: probably oh, yeah my gosh.
0: yes I would imagine they are very very close to the top spender because I think like some of the huge brands weren't we looking at Coca-Cola it seems and we were trying to like figure out what ads oh, maybe it was PPC and we were a little yeah. surprised that they weren't running ads for that but then we're like well they're Coca-Cola everybody already knows <laughs>
1: yeah they run more branding ads than uh, than you know click here to buy you know
0: yeah yeah, so okay. interesting. Yeah, that would be a cool article to come across um, the top spending companies on Facebook ads. We'll keep I'm sure you updated. that, I'm sure it's updated. out there. I'm sure that information is out there because, as we all know, we are talking about today, people love content, including content like that. And also, speaking of the content space, if you work with influencers, you know your brand may or you may not, but this is something to keep in mind that FTC has made some new detailed implications to guide influence marketing and some of the new ones, um, the disclosures that uh, people are influencers must include, and some of these are new so. They are now saying that influencers must disclose even when they were not asked to post. So this scenario would include you're a brand, you have a new product, you send it to a bunch of people that are influencers in the space that your industry is in. You don't ask them to post anything, but they do post something like, hey, thanks for such and such for sending me this. Now it is required that you say who it is from and that you received the product from them so that disclosure they're saying you must do that you must anytime you have any type of relationship with a brand you have to to post it even if you are not getting paid by them so that's a huge new change um some yeah. other things they said you know it has to be that you mentioned this in the first like Before, you have to click read more. So that's usually like the first 100 characters or so. You must disclose this relationship. So that's another new one. Um, Yeah, so just a few little tweaks that they've made as influencer marketing continues to get bigger and bigger. I know for myself, I've received products from brands before, and they've never asked me to post about it, but I have. So I guess that's something to keep in mind if you are getting some, if you're um, any type of maybe not even a huge influencer, you're a nano influencer, but you're still getting stuff from a brand, you must disclose that.
2: (laughs) So I've actually already seen stuff like this um, happening in the marketplace. Um, These similar laws were um, implemented in europe about a year ago Um, and there was a lot of talk about like the added work that puts on influencers and how that might hurt their business um and then what are the lines so if like say a brand invites an influencer like on a trip again doesn't ask them to like do anything but just gifts them a trip um that they have to disclose it and then how many times is it every time i post an insta story is it every post that i'm at that location even though i'm not there anymore like what are the rules um and so they've been going through that actually for about i think it's been a year now um trying to navigate that fine line and and be more clear so um i'm i'm honestly surprised it took this long for um the United States to implement something similar. Yep.
0: We're always a little bit behind though. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. So again, if you work with influencers, go check out those new FTC requirements to make sure you're covered. Your influencer needs to be aware of those um, so no one gets in trouble because that's the last thing you want to happen. So speaking of content, let's dive into today's topic. We are talking about content and moving your brand from being voiceless to vocal. So Ashley, do you recall in episode five, we pondered the question, is content still king? Oh yeah. Yeah. So that was a great topic and it is something of relevance to kind of ponder these days. But we concluded that content is just one piece of the puzzle albeit an important one, but it is just a piece, which I think just makes our nine-step system even more effective. Because content is important, but it is just a piece. And when a business looks at their marketing efforts as a whole, they need to look at all the ways that they can reach, connect, and serve a potential customer. So yes, content is a huge piece, but it's not the only piece. But it's still very important. It's a huge part of the equation when it comes to what you want to talk about, both online, offline, or basically any situation where you have to explain what your company does, or what product you're selling, or what service you're selling. So we also talked about why content is so important in both episodes 28 and 29. And we'll link both of those in the show notes so you can dive a little bit deeper into content. But when it comes down to it, content is how you taking take your messaging to the masses. And in almost 2020, that can be in a variety of ways. So let's dive in. We are approaching 2020 beyond just having a blog these days it's a high-level view of what types of content marketing a business can do. So let's talk about the impact of each one, Alex and Ashley. So there are you know, about 10 main types, um, maybe 11, 12, if, if you wanna get really technical. We're not really keeping a count here, but there's just a lot of ways that you can get your content out there. And you know what works for one business may not work for another. Um, So let's just kind of go over briefly our thoughts on kind of these main content types and how we feel like it has a place in 2020 marketing plans. So the first one to kick it off, and Alex and Ashley, let's all chime in here, blogs. So why would a blog still be important as a content piece in 2020?
2: Blogs are definitely important. I think the first thing that comes to mind when we talk about content, and for us, it's because there's multiple benefits, right? So you are providing written content online. Um, Oftentimes this can be educational about your business, um, how you're solving a problem in the marketplace. Um, You can really use it as like a tool to, you know, reach your prospective customer, um, a few educational touch points before maybe they reach out. Um, to actu- either to actually like buy into your service or actually buy a product, um, whatever your business does. But on the other hand, it also really, really helps with SEO, um, which is, like we've mentioned before, something that most businesses come to us looking for um, and is an incredibly powerful tool if your business is online.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And just to throw some other facts out there, Eighty-one percent of U.S. consumers trust the advice and information for blogs. You know, on one hand, I'm like, "Wow, that's really high," <laughs> but the other, you know, as as a consumer, I'm thinking that, like, "Oh, wow." But um, as a marketer. I do agree that you can build some great authority with a blog on your website. I've seen this happen over and over again for our clients and um, you know, we've even hit some clients, not hit them. but they've <laughs> reached <laughs> They've reached just some really great numbers this month because their blogs are so SEO-focused and SEO-optimized that they are getting higher amount of traffic than ever before. And yes, that might be a little bit longer play than maybe a company has, but um, it, do, it does pay off for, for leaving the trust game. So, blogs, love them. Definitely, I would say in 2020, consider having that part of marketing plan. Alex, you're great at content, you're a video guy. Why are videos important as we head into 2020?
1: I think it's as simple as like who doesn't love watching videos, you know? <laughs> There's yeah. videos. available
0: on so many platforms.
1: Totally. You can, there are so many different platforms that you can put, put video on. People love consuming video um it is one of the most consumed types of content um all you have to do is i I remember i forget which podcast this was but we talked about the the incredible long-term success that youtube has had and how it's the only platform the only like the only social platform that has had year-to-year growth i think every year since it has come out um, which is amazing because it's the one that I feel like fundamentally hasn't necessarily changed. Um, it's still just a video sharing platform. you know there are billions of hours of 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 content uploaded there per month. Um, but the, I think one thing to to Remember about videos well is that you don't need to have like a, a full production to to be producing videos for your for your company for your brand for yourself whatever. There are a lot of, of people out there who are notorious um, for basically for just creating content on their iPhone. Um, someone that comes to mind is like is like Ty Lopez. His YouTube ads that he does. Are all literally shot on his iPhone? He just puts it on selfie mode and holds it out in front of him, and and some people love that because it's a little bit more intimate. It's a little people feel a little bit more trusting of that because it's not like this overproduced, overdone. Um, you're trying to sell me something, kind of a feeling. So, videos, obviously, people love engaging with videos. That's that's kind of the short of it. And I just want to, you know, reiterate that you don't need you know, the nicest new camera and tripod and audio gear to to produce content that people want to see.
2: It also is helping with our attention spans in terms of content that's eye catching, that stands out, um, that is videos. Um, I think it's like the movement, uh, it's thumb stopping content. So if you wanna stand out in your, you know, marketplace on social media, videos is definitely um, a good tool
0: as well as social media platforms in particular are giving videos a little bit better organic reach. So if you're really struggling to launch your social media and you're finding that your organic reach is down, try a video because they want more video on their platform so they're naturally just gonna give it a little more juice when you upload one to their
1: platform. Definitely.
0: So our next content piece is infographics. And I don't know, you guys chime in. I kind of feel like the infographic era is kind of, you know, going a little bit south, but again, I'm I would looking agree with you right now with an infographic and I just cited some data from it. So <laughs> I guess infographics are still relevant. <laughs> yeah, touche,
1: right? I, I personally, I love a good infographic though. Yeah. You know, there's, there's something about, it It makes it so, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of a picture book for adults. Um, it yeah. makes, <laughs> you know, simple stats and stuff like that more easy to digest. And I feel like I am a little bit more likely to look at something like that than, um, than just read through a paragraph of numbers and statistics. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it kind of it ties into the same reason that video is successful. It's it's just a visual, congest, like digestible um, format for information.
0: Yeah, That's I, right I guess it. I agree with that. I guess when I think of infographics, it seems like a few years ago they were just like uh, everybody was doing an infographic, yeah. yes, really I, long one. I feel like like shorter ones are more popular now than those super long ones that you used to see.
2: And I think just generally in graphic design, we've we've moved from a very like more design better and like infographics were super hyped into like now it's like more clear design, simple to the point. Here are the facts. Um, Yeah, great.
0: So yeah, so if you have something that is better explained by graphics than a bunch of text like we'll talk about in our next example of content here and then an infographic is the way to go to give an example of that i guess we did just recently do a solar panel infographic for clients so they still are relevant <laughs> um so next one is case studies and this would be definitely more on the heavily written text side what do you guys think about case studies as we head into 2020
1: it seems like case studies still very much have a place, um, especially in context of where you need, you just need more time to explain something, um, or you have a lot of data uh, supporting whatever it is that you're talking about. I think that infographics and case studies actually pair really nicely. Um, you can have some infographic within your case study that just kind of condenses some of the information a little bit, um, just to make things a little bit easier to digest. I know I already said that, but mm-hmm. um, I think case studies certainly, I I, th- I feel like we as 21 handshake for our clients talk a little bit more today about having case studies versus infographics. How do you guys? Oh yeah. Do yeah, you guys agree, agree with agree.
0: that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think definitely in the B2B space, their case studies are popular um, as well as even yeah. B2C. C. Everyone kind of wants to read how someone else's experience with a brand was. So, um, yeah, so anyways, I do think they're still relevant. And, yeah, sorry about the ding there, (laughs) but we do, If when this episode airs, our agency owner will have a new baby girl. (laughs) And we are getting updates as I speak on this podcast about this happening. (laughs) So, (laughs) So, yeah, anyways, moving on, our next one that we have on our list here for content is
1: ebooks.
2: Ebooks is so, actually not a form of content that I've seen or heard um, people utilizing recently.
1: I feel like ebook was more of a, like an early 2000s form of content, yeah. I feel like. Yeah, I I personally have not downloaded an ebook in, what seems like a fairly long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it, it used to be one of those forms of content that when you were listing things, like forms of content off, it was always kind of at the top of the list, but then you're like, I don't, when.
2: Who's actually utilizing it? Yeah, these? who's actually like
1: reading <laughs> these, these eBooks and, I mean, the and only them. examples
2: of eBooks that I can even think of that I've seen recently have to do with like fitness workouts. Like, okay. do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, it's like a workout regimen or something for like thirty days, <laughs> or like cookbooks, like something that's easy to digest um, and kind of like to the point, and you can download online since like that's mm-hmm. how people are communicating these days. Um, but I can't think of anything super technical. Um,
1: I I think that if if you are pursuing or. Er, Considering what types of content to produce, I think ebook is definitely one that you're going to be producing if you if you know your audience is super engaged and you just have something longer that you need to say or explain. Yes. Um, that being said, I feel like content today has become so short form and and digestible, like you. It's probably not the first consideration, I think, for a lot of companies.
2: And I would say if you're going to utilize ebook as a form of content, think of it as like a guidebook. How are you helping your consumer? Um, can you walk them through um, that solution? Um, and I would only utilize that if you can't do that through like a blog post or, or a video or.
1: I, I also feel like ebooks might have a bad rap to them because they're so associated with a like. Give me your email, and I'll send you this free yeah. ebook. It has yeah. this very super marketing kind of reputation to like it.
2: negative marketing, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, like they're always asking for something in exchange, which which happens a lot for content, but it, it's just I feel like the ebook maybe has a little bit of a negative reputation to it.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think there's still just a very few kind of like you mentioned, Ashley, kind of industries that still where it works. Maybe like if you have a recipe ebook bonus mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, but even in that case, I don't see as many of those um, these days. It's more right. like, hey, mm-hmm. come over and join our challenge in our private Facebook group type situation. <laughs> So, next one is white papers, and I think that we're probably all going to kind of go along the same lines as we felt about ebooks with this. Um, my feelings are if you are still in maybe like a manufacturing, a very technical environment, a white paper might work. But um, for the most part, I don't see these as much anymore.
2: Yeah, I think if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, white papers are super common in my industry, like you would know if you don't know what a white paper is, don't worry about it. Um, I think they're still prevalent in certain very technical industries, but um, I think most businesses probably wouldn't benefit from them.
1: I actually read a white paper recently. (laughs) 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 I think it's also probably the only one that I can think of, um, you know, outside of like reading something in college or something for a science class, but it was about um, Apple ProRes codex, super nerdy, Uh. but it exists. And it's something that Apple put out, in I think it was late 2017 or early 2018, so... They exist, but I think you guys nailed it um, with the technical description. Mm-hmm. It is it is usually in more of a technical or manufacturing type industry or something like that.
0: Definitely. So the next one on our list is Checklist. And I feel like these are still pretty popular. People will still kind of get their, give away their email if you want to use it as a lead magnet for a quick consumable checklist. You know, whether it be grocery checklist if you're a food blogger or like a social media checklist or um those type of situations
1: i'm gonna expand it a little bit just from checklist to but list as well Mm -hmm. um lists obviously had well maybe call it like a year to two years ago had insane growth uh i.e. BuzzFeed, Um, you know, 30 things you (laughs) need to do here or, you know, 10 things you need to see before (laughs) you die or whatever, you know, there's, for some reason, lists are highly clickable. I think people realize that it's not something that's going to consume a lot of time. They're usually entertaining. Um, maybe you can take a a real quick little nugget out of it somewhere here or there. I feel like checklists or lists certainly still have their place.
0: I'm a
2: sucker for a good list.
0: Yeah caveat here and I heard this recently on a on another podcast when they were talking about lists do not have a blog post titled your list for top X blah 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 and then mm-hmm. use as a lead magnet hey 10 more ways to blah 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 because it's kind of counterintuitive you already provided in your post the best list And then people are going to think, well, why do I need this other list? You already gave me the best. Why is there more? So just be very cautious when you are providing lists where you're putting them. Our next one on our list, speaking of lists, (laughs) is interviews. Why are interviews great pieces of content?
2: I've seen a lot of companies and businesses utilize this piece of content really well recently, um, especially if the interview is with someone you wouldn't normally see or hear from. It's like an opportunity to ask the questions that you've always been wondering, or get like a behind the scenes look on you know how the business operates. So I'm thinking like, say your marketing person interviews your. CEO, you know what is a day in the in your life? Um, What is your biggest challenge? Where do you see this company go? Like things like that. Um, It's a great deeper dive into the company um, and the brand and the people behind it.
1: I think just thinking about some of the people that have become super popular in the podcast space. You know, podcasting has become a really popular form, and we'll talk about that in a second, but, you know, there are there are entire podcasts or entire media companies that are based entirely around interviews alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to your point, Ashley, it's important to ask questions or, or try and get guests on who are willing to be a little bit more open or are willing to answer questions that are, you know, outside maybe their standard sphere of media or press release type questions. Um, getting people to talk about things that, you know, isn't a very you know, in the box answer, I think Mm -hmm. is important.
2: And it usually tends to veer on the side of more casual, right? It's more like you're a fly on the wall listening to someone's Mm -hmm. conversation.
1: Yeah, and you you want to make it seem like a conversation, not a I'm going to ask you a question, give me an answer, let's move on to the next. That's a good point.
2: Yeah. So
0: definitely interviews, great uh, Piece to have in your content plan going into 2020. Next one on our list is social media posts. And of course, we all love social here. It, um, but you know, I would almost hinge on saying posts are great. But again, going back to video, video is even better these days. <laughs> are a story, you know, a story which is essentially kind of like a video.
2: But. It's interesting that social media posts is at its own line item in this list, which I believe we pulled from somewhere else. But um it it does kind of show how marketing tactics have evolved because all of these pieces of content could be their own social media post <laughs> um, and I don't know if they're referring to just like plain text which I would not recommend most businesses to do like if you're gonna post on social media include something visual
1: <laughs> which now that I think about it I feel like seeing just a plain text post on social outside of the Twitter world is mm-hmm. really rare yeah now that no, I, think I, about it, I feel like I don't see that much anymore yeah. even even for people you know posting on their personal Facebook pages you don't see that much
2: I agree. Yeah, you really
0: you really don't. So definitely there's a piece of visual content there mm-hmm. as well. So this could be actually tied into social media po- posts. Our next on the list is GIFs or GIFs, however you prefer to pronounce that, and memes. I feel like this is very popular and no matter what space you're in, B2B or B2C, that if they are used correctly, can can actually generate a lot of um, engagement keyword if they're used correctly <laughs> yeah, if they're used correctly so definitely you want something that isn't so off-brand that it turns people off
2: <laughs> yeah i know alex has um good opinions about this but i i think if a brand properly utilizes a gif and a gif or whatever in a meme um it gets really good results but again I would not do if if it doesn't fit your brand voice because that would get really awkward really quickly.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think they're they're just one of the most relatable types of content. Every you know so many people use GIFs and memes in their in their personal conversations with people when brands pull that into their own messaging again if it fits if it's right if it's if it's not too far off from your brand voice it just it I feel like it gives a little bit of relatability to that to that brand
2: yeah I agree
0: yeah you know and um, they also I've seen a lot of use in emails of of gifts too which can be kind of fun if if you are trying to pump up your email marketing game with just adding in some fun content. Yeah,
2: and I know that we're talking about like individual pieces of content, but one example that I've seen recently of how businesses have utilized GIFs and memes recently really well are in comments, like response to comments on Facebook. So I recently saw this... um, bark box it's like a subscription box okay. for dogs yep. um, and their brand voice is very lighthearted, very fun um, they recently launched a new product and I just noticed it was pretty funny comments I'll, I'll let you guys do a little investigating yourself but anyway in the comments they utilized gifs and memes in response um, to comments which just added to the um, humor so great yeah. example there
0: so Quickly, we'll go through a few other pieces of content here. Um, some of these are kind of all just related, kind of to each other, and ones we already talked about, but are kind of considered separate. First off, podcasts. This could be tied back into interviews, like I just said, but this is a huge content piece these days. Alex, why don't you tell us a little bit of your thoughts on podcasts?
1: podcasts? are wonderful pieces of content. It's, you know, it's 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 what we're doing right now. It's it's an opportunity to speak more at length about a certain topic or a subject. Um, and I feel like podcasts are probably the biggest, I mean, they're very much here already, but it's probably the, the quickest growing form of content right now. Um, because, and what's so cool about podcasts is that you don't need to for example, in comparison to a blog or a video, you don't need to sit down and like dedicate time to watch it and 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 not have other distractions. You can listen to a podcast while you're driving, while you're cooking, while you are doing chores or something like that. It's something that you don't necessarily have to listen to in a super engaged way like you maybe would have to with 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 a video or or you know, reading a blog post. And I think what's cool too is that a lot of people who are really good at podcasting have, have adopted this form of just making things uh, you know, long form. It gives you a platform to really speak about things at length. People can really explain how they feel about things instead of you know, keeping things to an email or, or to 140 characters like you have to <laughs> on a lot of social platforms, right? Um, so I think I, I personally love podcasts and I'm, I'm fascinated to see where things will continue to go with I
2: them. Don't, I don't think you're alone on that. Pop, podcasts are really popular right now. Um, mm-hmm. and I think there's a few reasons for that. One, there's a really low barrier to entry. Um, Super low. Right. So you, anyone can start a podcast. Um, sure there might be like some equipment involved, but you can do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, same like video. You can do videos without high expensive cameras um, but also podcasts are very convenient for the listener um, you could throw on a podcast that's the word I was looking for. there you go <laughs> when you're cleaning your house or on your drive to work um, and there's a, such a wide range of content whether it's educational um, fun and lighthearted, humorous very serious thrillers you know crime stories I'm just naming off like popular genres um, that there's really something for everyone so I agree with you, Alex. I'm, I'm curious to see how this will evolve for the next couple of years, um, but in the meantime, it's really fun.
1: Definitely. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, this is a definitely growing piece of content.
2: And our next one, I believe,
0: is as well a growing piece of content. And um, I just think brands have so much opportunity here just to get more user generated content and I know for our own clients, this has been uh, you know, a bit of a struggle to kind of get this user generated content. We have one roofing manufacturing client who does a really well job with getting this content. People post stuff all the time. Um, people that are using their product post pictures of it, which has been great because then we can go back and engage with not only the people that are posting the pictures, you know, by asking them, hey, can we share it out? We love that you shared this, which creates just another nice touch point. But then, you know, posting that is just even kind of more social kind of proof in the pudding type of situation where, hey, it's just not the brand saying that their product is great other people are raving about it as well I was so gonna, I think I was, anytime you can get user generated content it just goes a really long way to build more trust in your brand
2: I totally agree I was going to say the same thing I recommend most businesses if they can to focus on trying to get user generated content because it just goes so much further than trying to sell yourself on your own
0: definitely our next one You know, it could be related back to maybe interviews again or, you know, something else on the list, but testimonials and reviews. These are so important. And I think sometimes probably we don't think of them as a huge piece of content, but we all use reviews when we're even going out and researching our own products. So I would say, you know, try to get people to review your stuff, your business, your brand, your products. All the platforms these days make it so easy for you to send people a link to review your, your products or services. So I'd say this is definitely, I think, underutilized, especially in the P2B space.
2: Totally agree. And think about how many times you've bought a product just simply based off of one of your friend's recommendations and not giving it a second thought. Like that, there's yeah. so much power in a testimonial or a review
0: definitely so so huge and if you have to even incentivize your reviews a little bit just do it It, you know people people sometimes don't need in you know like a little gift card or something for writing a review but it really does show that you know you as a business are so thankful for reviews so um, definitely reach out to us if you want some more ideas in that space on how to generate reviews So our next one ties back to what uh, I talked about at the beginning of this, which is influencers. And yes, that is considered content because they are posting content on your behalf. And I don't see this as much in the B2B space influencers, Um, you know, posting on social media. Of course there are influencers, I think in the B2B, B2B space, you know, who are speaking at events or trade shows, those type of situations. So yes, you you should still kind of consider them influencers, but I guess when we think of influencer content, we're more thinking about those influencers who are posting on like a social platform for you. And so what are they saying? What can they say? How can you help them talk about your product better without telling them what to say situation? So something really to think about in, in 2020, and actually even thinking about the roofing client I just mentioned, um, you know, that would be kind of the people that are sending us pictures, those user generated content or kind of micro influencers, you know, so you really got to kind of look at this broadly when you're thinking about it. Oh, yeah, Do you guys totally have any other pieces of content that we missed here? I think this was 14 pieces of content as we head into 2020, which is a lot. <laughs>
1: I can't think of anything else.
2: I'm sure there's more, but these are definitely the top ones.
1: Yes.
0: I agree. Top 14 we have going on here. And if this overwhelms you that there are 14 pieces of content that are important in 2020, we totally understand. Some may not be for your brand. Some may work for your brand. Some you might need to test or trial. Um, Some, we would love to help you figure out which ones work for you um, if you're just like feeling a little overwhelmed. So we love to help businesses determine what steps it takes to get them from unclear to clear in all things, including content and all things digital. We have a free webinar that goes over all the nine steps of our digital marketing program and we keep mentioning that here, the nine steps, but they really are so helpful for a business when they are trying to go from who we are as a business to market authority. So this webinar includes bonus content for each step that you can put into action right away. Just visit bit.ly, that's b i t . l y dot L-Y forward slash 21 handshake, nine step. That's all lowercase letters. We will post this in the show notes. So be sure to go check out on our website, the show notes. And yeah, so we'll link everything in the show notes, all the articles from this podcast. And we want to know, did you like this episode? Hint, yes, of course you did. Then please like, subscribe, leave a review and share it with a friend. It really does help get the word out about our show. Until next time.